0: Listening to the Distinctive Christianity
1: Podcast, where we seek to clarify distinctions between Mormon and credo-Christian thought. This is Brendan here, and I am merely introducing to you part two of an interview that Skyler did with a local pastor here in Utah, Jason Wallace, who is the pastor of the church that Skyler himself is a member at. And so we had uh, a rather good bit of material and needed to divide it into part one and part two. So today, as a bonus episode, we have part two of that interview. So without anything else to say there, let's get to the interview. Enjoy.
0: Jason, at what point did you see videos? And, And I probably should have said this up very front, but... I think, I think this will work because, first, you're my pastor, and second, you are, I'm going to say, a scholar uh, <laughs> uh, and have a YouTube channel that engages with several things. But one of the chief things among them being, of course, Mormonism being out here and all that, Ancient Paths TV is yeah. the name of the channel. Um, what led to you thinking, this is somewhere I can engage in a way that hasn't been done before?
1: Well, I did the TV show. It was a live call-in show for seven and a half years. It was Wednesday nights, eight to nine, so prime time. And I was shocked at, you know, here, here we are on a UHF station. I mean, it did have a lot of coverage. It 900,000 potential households. Um, wow. So uh, people stopped me. I got stopped in the Orlando airport. Uh, by, I was... Standing in line for a flight to Salt Lake. So, I mean, it wasn't that big a reach. But I got stopped at uh, Wheaton College. Um, people used to come up to me in restaurants and grocery stores and all like that. And Sean made my life so much easier. I said, you know, um,
0: you're not like Sean McCraney. <laughs> you're nice. <laughs> <laughs> you did, in fact, a video response, right? I, I yeah, know yeah. over the TV yeah, show yeah. it was yeah, but the ongoing. but
1: Yeah, the... But basically, what it, we did this live call-in show. I'm not quick on my feet, and you you fly by the seat of your pants. You do the best you can. But only information I would get was, you know, Joe from West Valley is calling online li- on online one, <laughs> and it's like, you know, Joe, thank you for calling into the ancient past. Uh, how can I help you? And probably half the time Joe's question didn't have anything to do with what we were talking about. <laughs> no. And so I would have to sh- you know all of a sudden I'm not a bible answer man I'm you know I I I, I would have to grind the gears and it's like uh yeah. let me let me try to remember this on yeah. live tv.
0: Um yeah the show to give an example I mean the show will be on I don't know John Calvin and you'll get a call about the epic of Gilgamesh. Yeah. Yes. You know. Oh. <laughs> And sometimes things that
1: you didn't want to address on the air. It's like one guy called in and asked about something. And um, I I had trouble hearing him at first. And I said, I beg your pardon. I said, I didn't hear you clearly. And just as he started to repeat it, it's like it dawned on me what he was asking. And it was not something for family (laughs) consumption. And I'm like, "Uh, you're free to call me off air. I'll be happy to address that. But um, anyway, I saw people who will not read a tract. We've, we've done literally hundreds of evangelistic book tables over the years. Mm-hmm. We used to do the University of Utah once a week. During the semester, we would do the county fair. We did gun shows. Those were always exciting. <laughs> um, you would get the craziest conspiracy theories. <laughs> uh, what... One, one guy told me um, that Elizabeth Smart had been offered as a human sacrifice in the third basement level under the temple. Uh, and he got gory yeah. details and all like this. Um, oh, man. Uh, another guy comes up, and he, he looked like he was either a bishop or maybe a pastor or something. He's looking in our books, and he says, you know, God says he's going to destroy Salt Lake. And I said, well, I know there's a more general destruction coming, but did you have something more specific in mind? He said, He said, yeah, you know where the benches are? I said, I said yeah. He said, that's the old uh, level of the lake. I said, yeah. He said, he said it's going to fill back up again. And I said, my house isn't going to be worth very much. And <laughs> he said, um, I said, so he said, yeah, it was sealed. there was an underground river that was sealed off by a volcano, but God's going to open it back up again. And I said, and where does he say this? He said, well, it says it somewhere in Isaiah, but it was also <laughs> revealed to Mike Jensen, uh, and I'm pulling this from memory. Probably not, yeah. It was revealed to Mike Jensen down in Orem when they were excommunicating him. I'm like, <laughs> no, okay.
0: This should be said, too, for some of our evangelical listeners. Conspiracy theories are so popular here in Utah. Oh. I mean, I yes. this, you you know you're not going to find two more critical people of Russell M. Nelson than right here, you yes. and me. And yet, it's amazing when I get sent a text or something, and the article's like Nelson's eating children in the temple, and I have to be like, you know, there's a lot of things I disagree with Nelson on, but I'm without evidence. There's no way I'm going to believe that he's eating oh. children in the Salt Lake Temple.
1: I- <laughs> One one of my one of my Whoa. great frustrations, you 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 look at Ed Decker. You know there there were issues with the first Godmakers movie, but the second one was just horrible. Yeah, you know it, it's it's not helping. No, he he accused him of taking part in homosexual orgies and things like this. Um, and we have the truth. Yeah, that is undeniable. That. No one can counter, and you can go to fair. You can go to um, the interpreter, uh, whatever the foundation, uh, whatever the refugees from farms are calling
0: themselves these or days, or even Jared Anderson's engaging gospel doctrine.
1: You, 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 you deal. You can um, these things. They will talk around them. They will spin them. They can't answer them. There's only one God. How about that? Yes, Just as an example, and. To some extent, who cares? Yeah, it's like you know, you don't have. My approach is: let's stick to the things that are undeniable. Let's not throw everything against the wall, hoping something will stick, and that we can just slander people out of the out of the Mormon Church. Uh, no, I don't yeah. care. I to me, Mormonism is just another form of unbelief. Yeah, it's just one more lie out there, and to leave Mormonism for another lie accomplishes nothing.
0: Right, and you know. The Bible's pretty clear. Don't bear false witness. We've got to be really careful about what we say here. You know, I'm not, and, and, you know, in in connection with that, moreover, I'm just struck, I think it's in Isaiah 8, when Isaiah's like, you will follow every conspiracy theory. But you know what? If there's something to fear, it's God. Yes. And God is who we should fear, not just these random dot-connecting you know, accusations that are baseless.
1: There's a, there's a challenge in our main Mormon video, and Ernest to Latter-day Saints, that if anyone can show a significant error of fact, we will uh, pull it from the internet. And I've told people privately, I don't think it's actually in the video, but I'll, I'll state it here publicly. If anyone can show a significant error of fact, we will not only uh, pull it from the internet, we will issue a public apology. Um, years ago, a lady came up to the book table. She took a great issue that we had a copy of by his own hand above papyrus. Um, it's a good book, by the way. We'll put yes, it in the notes. Yeah, we got 1,600 of them we're giving away <laughs> uh, to those who promised to read them. But um, but anyway, the um, I told the lady, I said, ma'am, if you can show me one significant error, of fact, we will issue a written public apology. You can do it, You can publicize it all you want. If we're going to say something publicly, we will stand behind it. the The only thing that anyone has been able to show me so far, Utah has technically decriminalized. Um, I, I said in the video that polygamy was now legal. It's not technically legal. It's decriminalized. Mm-hmm which is a fine point to me that it's, it's largely irrelevant to the, to the issues in the video. We haven't pulled it, but if anyone asks me, I will tell them it was an error and I apologize for it. Um, because it's the truth that makes us free for sure. But in terms of the videos, um, they sold the TV station. I saw the power of it, that people would watch a video For two hours who wouldn't read a two-page tract. I realized that having people with a video, you can have people in their own voice articulating things. So we've got a lot of clips of Mormon prophets saying things that the church doesn't hold to anymore. Yeah. You know, one of our shortest one, the Vanishing Lamanites, uh, we've got uh, Spencer W. Kimball up there, uh, in his voice saying, The American Indian, <sighs> yes, is not an Asiatic, yeah, he is a Lamanite. Mm-hmm. And you know, to hear for me to tell someone he said that they're going to be automatically suspicious. No, he didn't. You're taking it out of context, you're this and that and the other. Blah blah blah. blah. If you can show people what their prophets are actually saying and respond to them. To me, that's powerful. I, um, I think there's a power in the spoken word. Um, one of the other things is you'll notice in all the video, all the documentary style videos that we've done over the last, last seven years, um, you don't see my face, which is a definite plus, (laughs) but but it doesn't have my name on it either. It's not coming from an individual. It's coming from the church. The church is speaking on yeah. these things. And so I send them to the elders and make sure that the elders, uh, are in agreement. And we're speaking as the church against these errors yeah, and calling people to the truth. And so, um, Seeing that with their own eyes, you know, we we need to be careful of imagery because we have a temptation to idolatry. But I think that there's a real power in the medium. And so that's that's how we got into making the videos. And we've made, I think we've made 26. There's quite a few. Yeah, yeah, response
0: to Islam. I mean, I recommend to people that just... Scroll through and
1: oh, the one the ones on Islam are fun. Yeah, Uh,
0: there's what eleven interviews with Sandra.
1: Well, no, no, those are the TV shows.
0: Okay, but on the same YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes, yes. Yeah,
1: our old, our old, we would have dozens of more, but somebody stole the DVDs out of the back of my car. Uh,
0: Wow, (laughs) that's a whole other story. But
1: um, we've got past episodes. We've got interviews with Sandra Tanner, Charles Larson. 14 interviews with Alma Allred, who is uh, LDS bishop, 30-plus years of teaching at the Institute. Alma was one of the few Latter-day Saints who would sit down and honestly try to articulate LDS positions. The first interview we did, I asked him, I said, you know, there are people out there saying, there are evangelicals saying that Mormonism is moving towards... Uh, biblical Christianity—that you're fundamentally redefining who Jesus is—he said no. And I said, you know, my understanding is you can't, so long as the temples are central to the to the LDS faith. He said, you're you're exactly right. Uh, he said, you know, what people may be hearing from some BYU professors—you um, know, when when um, the basis of my question was when. Uh, Richard Mao was brought to town. Mm-hmm. And Mao got up in the tabernacle and apologized to the Mormons for all the lies evangelicals told about them. And he was asked later, what lies? And of course, there have been lies told about the Yes, Mormon absolutely. You know, that the, should the, be affirmed. The, the Godmakers, too. You know,
0: yeah, The, the allegations. We, we do not, we will never promote anything like that on this yeah. show. To so, be clear.
1: So in terms of... Um, The lies he said. Well, I've been assured that the Mormon church no longer believes that God is an exalted man. And it's like, have you read their current manuals? Have you looked at? I mean, we've seen it just this year, but you know, 2023, there's it's still in the manuals. Mal hears what he wants to hear, yeah. You know, he's been corrected. He doesn't, Mal Mal's a very liberal guy who wants to just. Join hands with everybody and
0: sing kumbaya and ignore <laughs> what they're actually saying, right? And of course, he might be more inclined to ignore what we would say too. But, to be clear, right? Yeah.
1: But anyway, I I, I interviewed Alma. We 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 did things on the Nicene Creed. Yeah. You know what are the real issues? Um. And you know, the fundamental issue is the opening line. Uh, I believe in God the Father Almighty Maker of heaven and earth. Yes. And, you know, it's, we, we went through who is God, who is man, what is sin, Jesus Christ. Uh, we dealt with some historical issues. We talked about the Mountain Meadows Massacre. Yeah. And Alma, Alma is a faithful Mormon. There are people who have complained that we, um, that in the interviews he, he would spin things I don't think he spun them very much. I think he was trying to be honest and upfront, but give him a, a favorable view. Uh, to me, that was powerful because here you have both sides. This is what we had done in our debates. With, Alma didn't want to do a debate, but he would do a dialogue. And so I had him on the show and we were very clear. We believed the other was lost for... For me, that means he. Unless he repents, he's going to judgment, and he'll go to hell, uh, outer darkness forever. Uh for for me, you know, whether or not I'm have some, some special condemnation, um, Mormons would disagree. You know, some would say that I still have a chance
0: for exaltation. Yeah, and, there's a universalist you know, streak in Mormonism, yeah, right? For sure. But, in fact, I think technically there's no hell. They'll talk about spirit prison, but yeah, yeah, the, and the, outer darkness where maybe not even Judas or it, even it, in the early church, right? They well, debated whether it, Satan it, would stay there.
1: It changes. I mean, yeah. it, it, but um, the videos have been powerful. The main LDS videos had 130,000 views so far. No one has pointed out any significant errors. of fact, um, you know, we've had some people leave in the comments, you know, rants. Yeah. Um, one guy in particular, you know, was just ranting rabidly and I I engaged him to some extent, uh, kept telling him no one has anything to fear from the truth, but liars. And he eventually wrote me about a year later and said, thank you for your video. It led me out of the Mormon church. And now I'm an atheist. I said, you know what? You've just (sighs) exchanged one, You've made yourself the prophet. Why?
0: Why do you think that is, Jason? Why? Because Mormonism is atheistic. I agree. I, I mean, I, there is no God in Mormonism. I, I can remember the time, and <laughs> of course, I, I'm just reading books because I'm curious. Let, let me explain yeah. that one because please, I've had people please. get
1: very offended at me saying that. People say, "Of course, we have a God. We have Elohim, we have the Heavenly Father, and you're worshiping a Superman." who has more in common with Thor than he does with the God of the Bible. He is a super, he is a, a powerful man. The God of the Bible, the heavens of heavens can't contain him. He is, he is not just the one who has reformed this corner of an eternal universe. He is, or this, or this universe in a multiverse, however they want to try to, you know, Portray it, but yeah. you don't have an eternal in, uh, universe of matter that is being remade by these evolving spirit presences. Uh, what you ha- uh, you have a God speaking all things into existence from nothing? Yes, creation ex nihilo, and yes, I will defend it. But um, we have on this show, yes, but atheism really isn't that. I mean, number one, Mormonism is functionally atheistic because you have higher evolved intelligences. You don't have God. You don't have a God right. in any traditional sense. Um, Aristides, in the second century, a Christian apologist, argued that you know the Christians were being accused of being uh, atheists,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he said, "No, your God, your gods are no gods.
0: Mm-hmm. You're the atheist." And they were being criticized for being atheists, to be clear. Uh, Larry Hurtado has a good book on this issue because they were denying these other gods. They're saying these aren't really gods. Right. They change, they move, right? I mean, they don't have, there's no transcendent quality. Your great god is the one who goes out raping little girls?
1: I mean, (laughs) how does that work? pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, and of course in Mormonism, you get Elohim, at least under... Brigham Young.
0: Yeah, impressing upon Mary. It's not much different.
1: Yeah, his (laughs) great-great-great-great-granddaughter. That's also
0: his polygamous wife.
1: Yes. And so uh, there is no God who is in control of everything, who rules everything after the counsel of his own will. And so it's very easy. When you've been told if Mormonism isn't true, atheism's is your only alternative. People reject some of the lies and they take the other ones with them out yep. of the Mormon church. Yep. I've seen it so many so,
0: times, Jason. So
1: one of our videos is after Mormonism, Atheism with a question mark. And the other, another one is after Mormonism now what? And we try to help Latter-day Saints see that they bring with them out of the Mormon church baggage. They, they may see that they've been lied to, but they don't know how much they've been lied to. And our plea to them is, let's look at everything. There's truth, and it will set you free. And, you know, they try to confuse you by all this sleight of hand and, and stirring up dust and saying, 45,000 denominations and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, if the Bible was clear, we wouldn't have all these, everybody would be agreed. Yeah. Wrong. If you read the Bible, you'll find... The way is narrow and the gate is straight and few there to be to find it. Yep. Why? Because people don't like what God said.
0: Unbelief isn't fundamentally ignorance. It's rebellion. Yeah. Yep. We have so much, uh, it's almost like Platonism just in the culture, right? Where we think, oh, facts will change people's minds. Even just politically, and I'm not getting into yes. any specific issues here. If you think facts are the problem, <laughs> I don't know how naive you have to be. I mean, facts don't really change people's minds. They tend to find the facts to justify wherever they are at the moment. Yeah, it, I mean, it's,
1: persuasion is—it's a whole lot of conservative, a whole lot of modern conservatism is we need to educate
0: people. Yeah, and that's why we lose. Yeah, <laughs> because it's—that's not the problem. No, no, it's yeah. not the problem.
1: We've had folks who've come to our debates who had previously told me, well, we believe in the same God. I say, no, you don't. And they come to the debate, and they hear both sides, and they say, you know what? You're right. We don't believe in the same God.
0: I don't like yours. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I say, that's your problem. That is. But, you know, it's it's almost refreshing to hear someone acknowledge the distinction. Yes. And that, I mean, that's what we're trying to do on the show more and more, is that even for LDS, though our plea is out there, and We'll link to all your videos that have come up in this and, of course, the yeah, channel. For, for,
1: for, for what it's worth, the easy yeah. way to get to the LDS videos is just www.lds.video. Uh, we have atheism.video. We have gaychristian.video, romancatholic.video, and koran, dot video. That's awesome. Um, spell If you spell it the more politically correct way these days, uh, it was 3500 bucks a year, and we were like, No. We'll take the 1995 one, thank you. But one, um, one—I never thought I would deal with Islam. Uh, I, I don't pr- pretend to know a whole lot about all these things. I try to. I, I appreciate you calling me a scholar. I'm not. Um, I'm. I'm, a, I'm. I'm a pastor, but I know. I know enough to know I don't know much. I also know enough to, to see through a whole lot of people's lies Yeah. But um, with Islam, I I found out their apologists argue just like Mormons. They're appealing to Bart Ehrman. They're appealing to the 45,000 denomination. They're appealing to all these various things. And it's like we've already answered these. And so we end up engaging and showing them, here's what the Bible actually says. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they play the same games. You know, uh, two days ago I got a comment Uh, Islam is the fastest growing religion on the planet. And I'm just like, I had to take a quick look, you know, are they saying Mormonism or are they saying Islam? You know, because it's the same appeal. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, Jesus said the way is narrow and the gate is straight. He said, you know, strive to enter by the straight gate, for many will seek to enter and not be able. And, you know, you don't get to say, well, there's confusion out there. So the... if I don't know the truth, God's not going to hold against me. No, God has spoken in the Bible. Yeah. Read it.
0: Deal yeah. with it. How about the first line of the Bible? In the beginning, God. Yes. How about that? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, these aren't just like footnotes to Augustine's City of God we're talking about. This is, how about the first verse? There's only one God prior to creation, and he created everything out of nothing and into nothing. Yes. And that's not. True of any form of Mormonism. No, no. So, it, and the, people think we, the, we can be nitpicky. It's not nitpicky. It's completely different. The the attraction of modern atheism to Mormons
1: is, you have, in both worldviews, you have eternal matter, and you have evolving intelligences in that matter,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you 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 mix a little mysticism in, which they almost <laughs> always do. And you get, you know, it, it's just Mormonism stripped of the temples and uh, yeah. the, the, the prophet are, I mean, they've got their own prophets, but it's a religion. Yeah, It has its own worldview. It has its own saints. It's, uh, it, It's got its own martyrs. It's got its own everything. Yeah. It's like Lucretius meets Star
0: Trek. There you go. Yeah, I mean, That's it's <laughs> the original series. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. Well, I, I want to focus on, um, actually, really quickly, um, on that atheism point, one th- just to finish the thought, and then we'll move on to one of your videos in particular. I remember, and of course, he's, he's a Roman Catholic philosopher, so I'm not saying I endorse everything in this book, but I can tell you the book I was reading that was the first time God confronted me with the idea of, oh, when they say there's one God, that's what they mean. I mean, it was just like so mind blowing. I had to sit mm-hmm. down and just kind of process it. it, was a book by a Thomistic philosopher named Ned Fazer called The Last Superstition. And of course, aimed at the new atheists specifically. And I remember when he's talking in there about some of the proofs that of course, as Vantilians, we would never appealed to reason as neutral space. That being said, Ventile wasn't opposed to the proofs as much mm-hmm. as some of the foundations for them. And But I, I remember the first time it clicked by particularly Aquinas' argument for the unmoved mover and just realizing I have never seen this and I've never thought to respond to this at all. Like I've never had a God. I of course suppressing the unrighteousness right or suppressing the, the truth, truth in unrighteousness but I that once I got a peak in the transcendence of God and you open up the Bible to that first verse you realize whoa that's not just a preface that is a declaration by revelation through Moses that there is only one God and he's not created and he's not like anything he's created ultimately yes and um it was totally mind-blowing to me. <laughs> um, and I, I, I have seen so many times people leave. They didn't have a God in it. They had a family, you know, on a planet around the Star-Colab, and they just go from having that in, in their imagination to not having that in their imagination. Yes. And they think they have drastically changed. And I would just submit that as you are, that no, they've never been confronted by a transcendent God. We have differences with other monotheists, obviously. try The Trinity is non-negotiable. We're not saying, even with Islam and believing Judaism, that, you know, kumbaya, we're all monotheists. But no, they, they will ha- be closer by virtue of that monotheism than anything that gets rid of that. No creator-creation distinction. And, you know, God became God, was once a man, and they- is ontologically the same as you and me. They've gone from being suckered into one multi-level marketing
1: group, knowing they've been burned (laughs) only to be sucked into another multi-level marketing group to be suckered there. It all goes back to the lie of Satan. The Adam and Eve were put in paradise. They were king and queen of creation under the wardship of God. God, had only seen there was only one thing that was not good in the original creation for man to be alone and God remedied that in creating Eve. God surveys everything He creates; He declares it very good. But Bene- behind the lie of Satan, there are there are implied things that most people don't seem to think about. God has spoken. Satan says, ignore that and judge it for yourself. Reject the explicit word of God. You judge. Mm -hmm. And Eve beholds the fruit and sees that it is good for food, it is uh, pleasing to the eye and desirable to make one wise. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life. Mormonism is just one more con Years ago, I was at Sandra Tanner's bookstore, and there was a fellow. He was leaned back in the chair with his legs stuck out, his hands behind his head, and he's talking about how he knew that more. he, he had served all these different callings. He had been a bishop. He had been um, uh, maybe mission president. He was various callings he had held, and he's rattling them off, and he's saying that you know he really doesn't believe it anymore, but his wife has said she'll leave him uh if he leaves the church and he said well for the sake of the grandbabies he said i think i'll i'll just go through the motions and i recognized his accent turns out he was from north florida i'm from south georgia so we're probably distant cousins (laughs) i might have been able to to bite my tongue a little better um But I had to insert myself into the conversation. I told him, you know, he said he was doing it for the sake of the grandbabies. I said, sir, the next time you hold one of those grandbabies, look into their eyes and imagine them in the torments of hell. Because you didn't care enough about the truth. You knew what was a lie, but you wouldn't go seeking the truth. You think that because there's a counterfeit, there can't be a genuine I said, when you look in those babies' eyes, don't ever lie to them again and tell them
0: you love them. They They don't need comfort. They need Christ.
1: People consider it hateful to tell people the truth. Somebody comes in, they got some kind of vague ache in their stomach. You can make them feel better by giving them opiates. Mm -hmm. But if it's cancer... What is the more loving thing? To tell them they got cancer and it's curable? And it's going to require some surgery? And it's going to be hard? Or is it to just make them feel good and tell them
0: everything's okay? Yeah, And that's, this is a point to emphasize that, Jason. And this is going back to something we were talking about earlier. I think our view of love in this culture, and this is broader than just Mormonism, is so wrong it's always divorced from truth. It always values comfort over anything. and the, the fact of the matter is sometimes it's the most loving thing in the world to tell people the truth. Yes true I mean it, it is in love, but it's the truth. And I think um, this is something too that uh, of course as as my pastor I, you know, I've gotten I, to know more and more is your love for the congregation. but most of all your love for God, your love for the Lord. And then being faithful and loyal and protecting uh, your fl- the, the Lord's flock in Magna every week, including me.
1: Obviously, people can excuse a lack of love through a professed love of the truth. But in terms of my children, for example, I would rather my children curse my name to the day I die and see them in heaven than to enjoy them in a lie. Ugh, yeah. My plea to my children, my plea to the people of Utah. God has spoken. Read his word and deal with him on his terms. Stop fantasizing. Stop making excuses stop spinning it that well god god knows that there's confusion and he's going to be okay with me and this, this, this god has spoken the creator of the universe hung naked on a cross the one that was so holy the angels had to cover their faces in his presence he's the one who died for sinners and you want to play games god help you
0: And they will say this is when we say it's the work of Christ by which we are just we are justified by Christ through faith alone Christ alone faith alone yes yeah. they will say that's cheap and yet on one hand what what could no. be more valuable no no than it's, it's the blood the, of Christ no they want to know cheap
1: yeah there is something called cheap grace Walking out, pray a prayer, and go live like a pagan and you got your ticket punch. You got your you got your fire insurance. That's that's that's, that's another gospel. Yeah. And that's dealt with in James two. Yeah. Um people want to try to um, play uh ping pong with Ephesians two and James two. No, they're both right. Yes. Just read Ephesians two ten, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Yeah. No, they think that we take uh holiness Uh, too lightly? They think that this is cheap? No. What's cheap is thinking that you can take your filthy, polluted works, refusing to hear God. You can draw near to God with your lips, but not with your heart. You can go through the motions, and God's going to just be thrilled with you. This idea that you can offer the sacrifice of Cain and refuse to hear his correction, and God's gonna God has to be pleased with that. Isaiah 1. No more burnt offerings. They're a stench in my nostrils. Mm-hmm. Your hands are full of blood. Yes. My only righteousness is Jesus Christ. He is worthy. I'm not. Yeah. The grace of the grace of the gospel is. Not that I prove my worthiness. It's that I admit that the only thing I have to bring to my salvation is my sin. Mm-hmm. And having come to him, I have received a new righteousness. But before that, I had to receive a new heart. I had to had that heart of stone taken out and a new heart put in, Ezekiel 36. And it's not just left there. The, whole, the same Holy Spirit who gave me faith indwells me and sanctifies me by chastising me and driving me back to the Word, back to my knees and back to, into pre, into uh, the worship of God's people. Mm-hmm. And it causes me to, when when people laugh at me and call me a hireling of Satan and say, well, you're just in it for the money and this and that and the other and blah, 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 blah. blah. I, I try to pray for them. I try to remember what... It, what a sinner what a I am. I, I, did an inter, or I did a debate with the pastor First Baptist of Salt Lake a few years ago on homosexuality, and he gave the opening statement, and he came out guns a-blazing, S- surprised me, honestly. I, I expected a, a lot of warm, fuzzy stuff. But he, he wasn't sure anyone else was going to hell, but he knew I was for all the pain and suffering I was causing people. And he directly or indirectly called me a Pharisee several times. It came my turn. And this is on YouTube. It's on our channel. We'll link to it. But I I told the people, I said, you know, let me be clear. I'm not here to address you as a self-righteous Pharisee. I'm here to address you as a fellow sinner who's found freedom and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. I haven't had a glimpse into your heart. I've had a glimpse into mine. As far as I know I deserve hell as much as or more than any homosexual I've ever met. But God's word has spoken. If you're wallowing in homosexuality, if you're wallowing in adultery, if you're wallowing in theft, if you're if you're wallowing in your sins thinking you're right with God, the apostle of Jesus Christ says, "Do not be deceived. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God." These things are forgivable. He says, "Such were some of you," but even Mormons now want to try to make that into "such are some of you." Wrong. That's a cheap view of grace. It's a grace that uh, is this idea that God saves you and leaves you wallowing in your sins. Is that cheap? Yes. Is the idea that you're not really dead? You're just sick, and you just need—you need a plan of salvation to prove your worthiness. You need
0: guidance counseling.
1: Both of these are two sides of the same coin. Both of them deny the new birth. Mm-hmm. Cheap grace denies it in its uh, effect. Legalism denies it in its necessity. We need to be raised from our spiritual graves. We need to be given ears to hear and eyes to see, or else the things of God
0: are foolishness to us. Yeah. We need a new heart. Yeah. And if it's so easy to just lean wholly upon the finished work, of Christ imputed to the believer, why don't they do it? Yes. If it's so easy and so cheap, which is what you hear, oh, you don't have to do anything. It's like, that's not really the point. It's already done. It reminds me of the great line from Jay Gresson-Machin. We'll probably bring it up in almost every episode. Liberalism is constantly in the imperative mood. Mm -hmm. But the gospel of Christ starts with an indicative. Christ has done. Christ accomplished. Yep. And we rest on that. Pe- people,
1: legalists try to say that the gospel is about God helping good people save themselves. <laughs> and that comes in a whole bunch of different forms. Yeah. The gospel in the scriptures is about God raising the dead to life, and it is a new life, it is all of grace. But the same spirit that gives faith gives repentance, and a faith without repentance, James two, it's not faith. Yeah. So, they want to they want to create caricatures. They want to they want to spin. They want to justify. They want to they want to distract themselves from actually having to deal with the substance. Yeah. And God warns about the judgment that will come on those who love and believe a lie. Yeah.
0: One of those lies, Jason, <laughs> how's that for a transition? We've got, I think, I, honestly, it's my favorite of your LDS videos. Temple made with hands. There, I guess there should be an intonation at the end with the question mark. You know, temple's yeah. made with hands? Yeah. It, it. I think it's one that would be easy for, especially evangelical Christians wanting to learn more about Mormonism to overlook um, but I I know earnest plea to LDS is necessary, but I feel like the the video that's aimed so clearly on the heart of what unifies even early Mormonism with the LDSism we're dealing today is your one on temples, and and I, I you know I I've got right here uh, Hugh Nibley's Temple and Cosmos, and that's one of the things he brings up is, well, Christianity is in the temple, and we're learning from Dead Sea Scrolls, and the temples are necessary. And he actually uses it as evidence of the apostasy, um, which is interesting, because as someone who read patristics, you'd think you would have read the Episopal, Epistle of Barnabas. and <laughs> well, of course, the scriptures themselves, but, I mean, even the early church fathers, it's not like they didn't talk about this. What, what tell me about, I mean, you're, you're from Georgia, mm-hmm. Gordon-Conwell grad, coming out of Terry Johnson church i know it's more than him but he's the yeah, one he's the i'm going to mention you come out here and you start seeing these temples everywhere w- tell me about your journey of doing research into what that meant and doing research for that video in particular
1: well i came to realize that you know the temple is at the heart of it all that this is the control you know this why do you tithe? Why do you do all these things so you can keep your recommend? You know, I, I've, one of my first neighbors, I remember him standing in the parking lot holding a six pack of, of Bud and had a uh, some Marlboros in his pocket, defending the Mormon church with every fiber of his being. <laughs> um, you know, I, I know that sometimes it's, it's the Jack Mormons that are the, the, the most zealous, but this is at the heart of the religion, and this is the mystery that, that you know, is uh, helps tug on the heartstrings and all the various things. Uh, it is also the greatest illustration of the denial of the biblical gospel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Every temple is a monument to Mormonism's rejection of Jesus' finished work. It is, you know, they, they, they rely on people's ignorance to some degree. What was the point of the tabernacle? The tabernacle was the first step in the restoration of God's presence in the midst of his people once more. What had been lost in Eden was being restored. You see some of the imagery there. You see it even more pronounced in the construction of the temple by Solomon. You have the motifs, the the imagery of Eden restored. You have the angels. But the presence of God is no longer closed off entirely. Now you can enter into the presence of God. You can enter before the mercy seat only once a year, only through the high priest, only through blood. But you can enter. And there's a a partial restoration of that fellowship for which we were created. That temple was a picture of what Christ accomplished. Hebrews, showing him as that great high priest who through one sacrifice has put an end to sacrifice, who has gone into that holy of holies and has sat down, and bids us enter not to a in a temple made with hands, but to a better temple. The spiritual reality: we have boldness to do what that high priest could only do once a year. We can do any
0: time, even in the Lord's prayer. Right? Yes. And, and of course, to LDS, the Lord's Father—that's an of course. That's not an of course for us. Yes. This is a consuming fire that we deserve hell.
1: Well, they think they think they, he's he's there there's physical daddy. <laughs> that, that too. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's, yeah, but there's no
0: fear and trembling, but because of what Jesus would do, he gives to those by whom we become children of God. And he says, call this God daddy. Yes. It, if really, you, if you, if, you, if, you th- if you
1: think he's just... A, uh, an eternal intelligence who has evolved into a spirit being who, you know, a spirit child of another God and then pre-proved his worthiness. And now he's exalted to this higher level. And you're just, you're, you're lower in the pyramid, uh in the multi-level marketing thing <laughs> than he is. Um, That's no big deal. Yeah. When you recognize this is the infinite eternal creator of the universe, this solar, this, Galaxy is a speck of dust in this universe. Our solar system is a speck of dust in the galaxy. Our planet is a speck of dust. We are creatures of dust and ashes who die fairly easily. Yeah. And we're perverse. On the one hand, yes, we were creating the image of God. There is a genius. We're we're unique in all creation in that we are personal, rational beings made to have fellowship with our Creator. But we're still creatures. And when we brought judgment on ourselves and deserved only wrath, the idea that the Creator would become a creature, that God would become a man, that he would bear our sins and the wrath that we deserve was poured out on him. That's, that's unimaginable. The one, the holy angels had to cover their faces in his presence is the one that we laughed at and spat on. And to go into his presence, that's unimaginable to call him daddy, Abba father.
0: Yeah. And, the cult it, it, context, even when he says, love your enemies, people people around here will miss this. It's because while we were sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died, that he loved us, not because we were lovable, in the sense that we no. moved him to love us by our good works or how nice we were. It, he loved us while we were enemies. God's word, you know, the, old, the old John Newton
1: hymn, uh, the old Anglican John Newton. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear. Yeah, yeah. God shines the light on the darkness in us. I told that crowd at that debate, I know that apart from the grace of God, I am a monster. What makes us to differ from the guy who just killed his family down in Enoch? Oh, yeah. What what makes us to differ from the drug addict on the street? Some people have a, a, a surface knowledge of Jonathan Bradford's statement. It comes in a couple of different versions, but typically there's he's with some friends, and he sees a man being led to the gallows, and someone makes a comment about you know, what a horrible man he is. The, the Puritan Jonathan Bradford says, There but for the grace of God goes Jonathan Bradford. Yeah. We can look into the darkness of the cesspool of our hearts and recognize that if God didn't restrain us, we're capable of being monsters. But God saw all that we did, all that we've, not just the things we've done. He's seen into our hearts the things that, out of fear of of consequences, we we haven't done, the things we dare not admit to ourselves, much less to other people. He has seen all that we Mm -hmm. will do. And because of his great love, he has loved us. And it is. It is far more deep down diving and mud upbringing, as Mencken said in his obituary. It is a radically different God and a
0: radically different gospel. And I encourage, um, whether it's coming here if you're in Utah Valley to First Baptist Provo, FBC Provo, if you're in the Salt Lake Valley, just come, come to Magna, yes, to Christ Presbyterian Church, and you will see. <laughs>
1: and if, we're not that far. We're <laughs> We're less it than may 15, seem like it. We're less than people think that we're East Windover, but uh, <laughs> you know, we're less than 15 minutes from downtown.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I just just come worship. We, at the same time, never compromise the holiness of God, the transcendence of God, the utter awe that God is. But because we're not trying to earn anything. No, we are trying to be loyal through our works, to be clear. It's funny. How many times do we have to... We say we don't deny sanctification, but that's what people are going to say. But if you don't have justification, what what good is sanctification?
1: What what does it say in Mark? When we have done all that we've uh, called to do, we've only done our duty. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's still not good. I owe everything to this God. Right. Even existence itself. Yes. It's in Him we live and move and have our being. How can I ever put Him in my debt?
0: And because we confess that it is God alone whom we are dependent on for creation and redemption, we don't have to hide our sin. We no. don't. We don't have to run from sorrow, from grief, from depression. This is something that it, it takes time for this to become clear. Um, and as a new Christian, it took me a while because as a Mormon. I was so experiential in my beliefs, you know. Of course, you know, we're all gods ourselves, you know. And so we lean inward. Christianity is not about leaning in. It's leaning out. And as we lean out, all that stuff down there, all that sin, all the, you know, comes out too. And we don't have to run from it. We confess it (laughs) as we lean out. And that's not just individualistic. You know, the, what is it? Our Father it's not my father, it's our father. So it's the, as the church, we're in it together. And and this experiential component has been uh, admittedly hard for me to trust. Um, and that, that should be the case. I mean, I've been an idolater my whole life. I used to mock the God that, that exists. And I used to lean into the gods of my own imagination that were just idols and leading me to hell. Um, but as you come and you confess... This stuff comes out and you deal with it. You don't have to hide anymore. That's
1: <laughs> you know I've told people for years, and you know with COVID, it's, people don't hear it clearly anymore, but we don't have to wear masks. We don't have to pretend to be something we're not. It is liberating to be able to say, "I am a sinner." But as great a sinner as I am, I found a greater Savior in Jesus Christ. Yeah,
0: And he and, is sufficient. Yes. Not just necessary, not just cosmic Oprah. He is sufficient. Yes. We don't and need to add anything to it. The, we don't need is, to innovate. This is the whole thing. People spin
1: um, Scripture alone. You know, they say, you, know, you believe in Scripture alone. You don't believe anything that's not in the Bible. It's like, no, that's not what we're saying. Do we look to the historic understanding of those scriptures? Do we look to other things in terms of shedding light on that to some degree? Context. Yes, because, you know, Josephus, do we read Josephus? Yes, we read Josephus. Absolutely. Do we believe Josephus is infallible? No, we do not. When God clearly speaks, let God be true and every man a liar. Yeah. But we've yet to see God wrong, Mm -hmm. and we never will. We don't have to play games. We don't have to to make this emotional leap of faith to dive out there hoping he's going to catch us. It is objectively true. Are there subjective elements to it? Of course there are. But it's it's the word and the spirit together. The scriptures are sufficient. Christ is sufficient. We don't need, we can't bring anything to the table but our sins. But um, human sin, recognize unbelief comes in a whole lot of different flavors. The world, the flesh, and the devil don't just fight on one front. They come at us from everywhere. The Sadducees were just as much rebels against God as the Pharisees. And both complimented themselves they weren't like those people. Mm -hmm. We can compliment ourselves we're not like the Mormons and not be converted. Mm -hmm. I've honestly gotten more hate over the last 25 years from professing evangelicals than I have from professing Mormons. I mean, it's close competition, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, there are people for whom their anti-Mormonism is their religion. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, Christ is sufficient. He has spoken. What will you do with what he said? This idea, like McCraney, that you it's me, my Bible, and my personal relationship that I define any way I choose,
0: wrong. Yep. That's so low, Scriptura. Yes. And and not a very informed version of that. Oh, either. And,
1: and, and, you know, yeah. McCraney actually was honest enough to admit that he was going to, um, that he would have to edit his Bible, he was going to create his own version where he would put use different color ink for things that um, were binding uh, in the
0: past and those that aren't binding anymore. It's like the and, Jesus seminar well, the, mingled the, with hippie.
1: Yeah, well, I mean Jesus. Just, <laughs> the idea is that if the civil walls and the ceremonial wall of Israel have Passed away. If we don't have a temple made with hands, if we don't have bloody sacrifices, then he can say we don't have elders and we don't have church discipline. Uh, we don't have a visible church. We don't we don't have um, all these things that you see in the New Testament. Right. And no, that's that's a, that's a cafeteria view, yeah. where you get to pick and choose what you want rather than seeing it is one gospel. One people of God. Yes, there is, is an evolution where you go from uh, one man to a nation to the whole world. You go from a temple. Um, we still have a temple, the church. We're, yes. we're living stones of that temple. We still have... A Passover, like I said before, the uh, the Lord's Supper. We still have sacrifices. We offer the calves of our lips. We offer our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. We still have circumcision. We still have um, the Sabbath. Do we have it in the same way? No, we have the Lord's Day. And no, Constantine didn't invent this, by the way, Ellen G. White. Uh, and you can watch that video and see. You know. On the other hand, those who say, "Well, you know, we can worship any day, and you know, there's no special day, and this and that and the other," do we really have nine commandments now? Has the these distinctions matter? Uh, do we have the same ceremonial walls that we did before? No. Does that mean that we only have nine commandments? Do we have any commandments? Uh, well, Paul seemed to think we did. He reminded the Gentile Ephesian children to remember the fifth commandment is the first one with promise to honor your father and mother. Uh, the moral law hasn't changed. The 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 gay Christian stuff tries to say, well, if we don't have a temple made with hands, we don't have any. Um, you know, the, the prohibitions on homosexuality, that's out of Leviticus. And that's Old Testament. Uh, that's not the way the apostles view the Old Testament. And it's in a different section. Uh, the same section prohibits incest and bestiality and a whole host of other things. And commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> but they like that part. They don't want to cut that part out. Yeah, you know, they 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 want to they they want to, they want to take their you know Thomas Jefferson scissors to the Bible and <sighs> cut out yeah. the parts they don't like.
0: Yeah, and I you know on Jefferson specifically, it's just funny with so many of these Enlightenment thinkers for all the rational, the cold rationalism on the outside, you know, you, you scratch underneath is the radical pietism, you know. So Jason, you know, some people could say, well, I mean, just, just look at the Bible, you know, there's temples, there's, you know, an emphasis on family, there's um, an emphasis on doing commandments. So what is it about the LDS temple that denies biblical theology that denies the gospel? Well, let's start
1: with family, which is the the great idol for many. Uh, People, I mean, not many Mormons read their Old Testaments, but if a daughter goes after another god in Israel in the Old Testament, she was to be stoned. And her father's were uh, her father was to throw the first stone. That's how serious idolatry was. That's how serious uh, love for God trumps family. Period. You see over and over the failure of parents not holding their children to the faith. Uh, you see it with David. You see all through the history of Israel. Come to the New Testament. Jesus said, if you love father or mother, wife or children more than uh, are me, you're not worthy of me. He says, if you don't hate your father, your mother, yep. your wife, your, and your own wife also, you cannot be my disciple, period. Um, family is a blessing. But just as the brazen serpent was given as a means of blessing to the people of Israel, they turned it into an idol. They burned incense to it. And Hezekiah had to destroy it because it had become an idol. Here was the means of God blessing his people, giving relief from his judgment that he sent in the fiery serpents. But when it becomes an idol, it's, it's destroyed. Uh, I can't love my... I'm called to love my, my family. You know, there's a hyperbole, there's a context in what Jesus is saying. Do I, uh, am I not to have any love for my uh, children, my wife? No, I'm supposed to love them. But in, in context of love to God, his faithfulness uh, or his, his, his worship is more important than my family. Then, in terms of the temple itself, there were no temples prior to the giving of the tabernacle. There were sacrifices. Most LDS don't seem to recognize what the point of temples was. The temple itself was for um, atonement. Or the worship of God. There were various sacrifices in terms of thanks and um, sin offerings and, and variety of, of things, but these are spelled out. These are all fulfilled in Christ. He is the ultimate high priest, the church is his ultimate temple. Um, temples made with hands are specifically shown as inferior. By the way, there was only one temple. Uh, the 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 people who left for Egypt um, in the Babylonian captivity, yes, they tried to create a temple down there.
0: Elephantine? Yes. That's what it's called.
1: Yes. And people say, see, they had plenty of temples. No, they didn't. Number one, um, God didn't command that. And it was... In the, in the same way that they offered worship to Baal in the temple. It's a historical fact, but does that mean that God prescribes it? It.
0: You get that a lot from uh, the Dan Peterson types, right? They'll be like, well, archaeologically, they found all these Asherah dolls or whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Bible is reacting to something and condemning that very thing. That doesn't... Just finding it archaeologically, that archaeological data needs to be interpreted in light of what the prophets actually were saying. Yes, I mean...
1: So in the same way in the New Testament, you had people who were teaching false gospels. Mm-hmm. You had the Judaizers. You had the Docetists who were saying that Jesus did not come in the flesh. And people say, um, Marcion, uh, you know, this, this must come from, first you know, and second John must come from a much later date because, <laughs> um, because clearly he's responding to Marcion. Who was condemned in the year one forty four? No. Marcionism's never gone away. Yeah, it's still here. There's there's still Docetism. There, there's the fact that there is unbelief doesn't invalidate things, but the this idea that the tri, that the temple has now come to uh, allow celestial marriages and baptism for the dead. You don't find any of that in the Old Testament. You find um, this idea that you're learning handshakes through a veil, yeah. that's Freemasonry. That's that's occultism. That's not anything scriptural. Yep. And so, you know, we demonstrate, you know one of the early claims Smith made was he was restoring not only the um authentic Christianity, but also authentic Freemasonry. Which was had been very popular up to that point, and he um, played off of the backlash with um, Captain William Morgan. He had been he had written a, a book exposing the vows of the and the ceremonies of um, the Freemasons, and he was kidnapped and killed. Um, Smith actually ends up. One of his volumous wives is Morgan's widow, and so you know the 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 backlash against Freemasonry was pretty heavy. In the wake of that, uh, I want to say like two thousand lodges closed in New England. I mean, it was it was. There's a whole political party
0: right at the time. Yeah,
1: they, they became the yeah. anti uh, Masonry party. Yeah, and so uh, Smith comes along and says, "Well." You know, they were corrupted, but we're restoring the true Freemasonry. And, you know, there, there's speculation. You know, there, there are people who want to speculate that, you know, his, his pose in the Carthage jail with his hands upheld and, you know, oh, Lord, my God, mm-hmm. you know, that he was just about to say, is there the no help for the widow's son? Yeah. Um, that's all speculation. Um, is it interesting? Yes. May there be, You know, is there some truth wrapped up in it? Sure. But we have something black and white. The temples were not made for baptism for the dead. They're taking a passage out of context in Corinthians, um, and they're building a whole theology around it. The the whole point of Hebrews is
0: we have better than than what Israel had. The whole point of Hebrews being don't go back. Yes. And of course it's assuming the temple's still there. Oh yeah. Showing that it's an early text, well, unlike what you're gonna often run into out well, there.
1: Well, basically, you know, apparently, uh, this is when persecution had first begun. You know, it had not reached full blown status, but in the year sixty four A.D., uh, Rome burns, and the uh, Nero blames the Christians, and there are people who blame the Christians to this day. You know, you know they have no evidence, but they they say that you know we're a bunch of crazies um, it just so happened Nero had a plan for a grand palace where everything burned um, but that was just coincidence uh, I don't want to get in, into conspiracy theories but clearly you have persecution coming along in 64 AD Christianity that had been recognized as a sect of Judaism and therefore was exempt from emperor worship that Distinction is done away with in 64 AD. And so now you have uh, persecution. What the Jews had been, uh, the unbelieving Jews had been pursuing all through the book of Acts, they get in Rome declaring war. For Jewish Christians, you got a choice. You can worship the emperor. And that's what it was. It was worship. You had burnt you know, may only have been a pinch of incense to the genius of Caesar, but it was worship. You could worship a little pervert of a man who had stomped his pregnant wife to death. Among his wives were two boy were two men. One was prepubescent boy Sporus, and I believe there was another one as well. You could worship that man as a god, or you could watch your wife and children be fed to wild animals before you yourself were burned to death for the, for the cheers of the crowd. Or there's a third way. You could go back to Judaism. And you could rationalize, you know, th- this was the faith of my fathers. They, they You got your family members saying, come back. The rabbis had forbidden Jews to buy or sell from Christian, from those who converted to Christianity. And it's like, look at our temple. We have a high priest decked out for you know, um, for glory and beauty. We, he's wearing the the golden plate on his forehead. Holiness to the Lord. We have all these things. We have, uh, you know, we're the, it's the worship of the one true God. Come back. And the writer of the Hebrews, um, and yes, I think. Paul probably wrote it, I think Luke may have, you know, I think it's Luke's Greek, Paul's theology. Um, how that works, I don't know, God will sort of, I mean, I, I don't have to have all the answers. But the writer of Hebrews says we've got better. We got better than Moses, we got better than David, we got better than the temple. We have a high priest who is sitting at the right hand of the Father until all his enemies are made his footstool. He is making intercession. We have the spiritual reality of what all this is just foreshadowing. Three and a half years later, it's all gone. And you can make it that in eschatology, whatever
0: you want, but... Except hyper <laughs> Yes, 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 not hyper yeah. but the, the other options.
1: But, but you have, the temple was waxing old and passing away, and Joseph Smith said, no, we need to bring it back. Why? Because he denied the finished work of Christ. Because he invented all this occultic garbage where if you earn the right uh, passwords and the right you you uh, you are in the right handshakes, then you can know how to get glory.
0: Yeah, and it, it's interesting they, the, the attempts to address the Freemasonry always address it in a very superficial way. It's funny with the Bible they will only look at superficial similarities and then all of a sudden with masonry they want to look at deep differences. And, and this is, uh, I, I just want to point this out. I've got two books here. One is a book on Freemasonry in upstate New York at the time. Mm-hmm. And you can see pictures of their buildings, the aprons, the handshakes. I, I don't know anyone, especially if they've been through a Mormon temple, that won't see the obvious similarity oh, here. One of, one of one of the most popular books
1: and over at Sandra Tanner's over the years has been Morgan's book, where it shows... Everything comes right out of Freemasonry, right? So then they they want to say, well, this Freemasonry really does go back to Solomon, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, mm-hmm. it, right? <laughs> like more conspiracy theories, and it's like the bodily assumption of Mary go, you know, so it goes goes <laughs> back to the apostles because we say so. Don't look at the evidence. Listen to us.
0: Exactly. And I, I will point out for those interested, D. Michael Quinn does analyze the differences between Masonry and the Mormon temple. But I want to point out that where they're different, it's not more Christian. It's, it's less Christian. It. Yes. Because even in Masonry, you had this I mean, it was definitely horrible, right? It's this yes. rationalism, but they it was monotheistic. Right. It's Freemasonry was invented to
1: find Brotherhood outside of the church.
0: Yep. That's what it boils down to. A lot of the founders were, Franklin being an it, obvious it, example. It's
1: basically a mythologized liberal fraternity. hmm You know, that, that's that's what it boils down to. You know, in the church, uh, if a if a pygmy from the Congo uh, comes to faith in Jesus Christ, he is my brother. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look like me. He doesn't sound like me. But he's my brother more than my own flesh and blood. Yep. And the rationalists, they wanted to create a counterfeit, brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And that's, you see how perverse that is.
0: Yeah, we're almost a stone's throw away from a Masonic temple here in this valley, by the way. I um, i also think, too, it's, it's key to point out, Jesus has given this riddle about you know, a woman given in marriage to several men, and, you know, this was a typical rabbinic practice, right? Trying to isolate how you prioritize Scripture and also kind of see how you think through problems that seem difficult. Yes. And what does he say? No marriage in heaven. You err,
1: neither knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. Yeah. That That's... there. There is no marriage in heaven, and it's... anyway it, it's just so foreign if you, if you come with the, if you come with these presumptions can you try to impose them on the bible yes will you ever get them out of the bible no do they contradict clearly what the scriptures teach yes it, it's it's such a some things are so far removed that it's hard to give an easy answer you know people say well yes it's a, you know they spin 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 but they're spinning in the same way that the Sadducees were in that question you know here, here, here here's a here's a situation for you Jesus that proves there can't be a resurrection because it's it, it's irrational you know here, here's a here's a woman she's had seven husbands they've all died whose will she be in the in the resurrection? Come on, pick one, because whoever you pick, we're going to be able to show it's ridiculous. He said that they erred, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. The scriptures, he says, for God said to to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Most people look at that and they say, whatever. Whatever. They don't understand what he's saying. They were expected to know from the scriptures when he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That means Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still there somewhere. God is God, uh, the living. It, it is, um, he doesn't use the past tense. He doesn't say, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I right. am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and people—you know—people who want to make excuses. Jesus said these men had no excuse. They—they they had edited the Bible. They had uh, rejected uh, everything outside the Pentateuch. But even the Pentateuch told them they were wrong, mm-hmm. and so there it—it it, it showed the farce of it all. It's
0: in Moses. It's—it's it, it's striking that at the beginning of Romans, here's the gospel. Christ, you think you would emphasize what's new, but what He says is it's actually really old. It was written in the Holy Scriptures from yes. the prophets, so it's 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 new. Uh, I mean, it's radically old. It, though we see a new manifest, we see the substance of what everything was pointing toward, whether exactly. tabernacle, temple, yes. and really the essence of the temple was reconciliation post fall, assuming a fall, assuming sin's the problem. How can a holy God? <laughs> And sinful man, right? How can there be any hope in this situation? And it's striking to me uh, as well, I think in that dedication of Solomon, if I'm not mistaken, that you've brought up in this interview, doesn't Solomon even say, who knows if God could dwell on the earth? There, there's this inspiration beyond even the human authors preparing Israel for what's coming, and they look forward where we look back. Yes. It, it's, um, and then I just want to point out a book as well. Um, called Temple of Presence that shows even the, the temple that a lot of LDS will just assume will be built in Jerusalem and whatever, they're pretty dispensational in their instincts. Yes. Um, by course, the way, dispensationalism's idea that
1: there's going to be this rebuilt temple, it goes back to 1830 as well, by the way.
0: Yeah, well, and Joseph Smith thought there would be sacrifices again. It's in the DNC, it's in his um, speeches, it's in the history of the church. Yeah. So yeah. it's very fitting. But what's fascinating is... Of course, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, tear down this temple, I'll rebuild in three days. And they're thinking the building, right? And it's actually his body. And John is very careful. This is a dissertation uh, called Temple of Presence showing that there's these very technical terms in Ezekiel 40 through 48 that John puts centered on the incarnation and Jesus throughout the Gospel of John, showing that he is our temple. Mm -hmm. And that's why in Hebrews it'll say, the veil of the temple is his flesh. And, and by the way, I, there are probably a few dispensationalists, if they heard what I just said,
1: would say, no, no, that's a lie. It doesn't just go back to 1830. There was Edward Morgan, and there's this and that and the other, and there's pseudo Ephraim." and all. Uh, we, we deal with this in a video. Um, the, the dispensationalism that you see from Darby starts in 1830, roughly. Uh, it's debatable whether it even started in, even then, but... Um, this idea that we're going to uh, rebuild the temple and have sacrifices for sin—we're going to have sin offerings. That's what's being described in Ezekiel. Um, to understand that as in a, some future millennium is is a, is terribly confused. Um, dispensationalists
0: don't read the Bible literally, and we we deal with that in a in another video. We'll post the link to that as well. But I do think it is relevant. And once again, not understanding Hebrew—I mean, the Bible—but Hebrews, where I mean, we thought the representation of the sacrifice was bad. What about like actually going back and needing <laughs> Levitical rites again? I mean, that—oh yeah, yeah—that's way worse, in my opinion. Yes, I mean, you're going to have a holy of holies again,
1: <laughs> and of course, you ask them—you know—they they will tell you that they they recognize that. Uh, Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones that, that is um, metaphorical. It's, it's a picture of the resurrection of uh, Israel. But you you ask them you know is the temple uh, literal? I mean or is it is it metaphorical? Oh no no, no this is literal. Mm-hmm. It's like well let's talk about that river that starts as a, as a small stream, coming from the threshold of the temple, and it flows, and within a mile, it's grown into this river that you can't cross. Is that literal? And they'll (laughs) say, well, yes. You just don't believe in the miraculous. It's like, no, no. We're letting Scripture interpret Scripture. We have a temple. We're living stones. We don't go back to temples made with hands
0: as Jesus said himself to the Samaritan woman and right you know,
1: it's popular dispensationalism is popular in America and it beats a lot of the the liberalism that's out there mm-hmm. and if you you know it's like the Pharisees and the Sadducees we're not as bad as they are yeah um but is it biblical no yeah, it does not question. stand it does not stand the scrutiny we our challenge to Christians: Let's be good Bereans. Let's sit down, and go through the Scriptures together. What we're teaching may seem new and novel in 21st century America, where many of the churches are doing TED talks with a preacher in skinny jeans with laser light shows and you know smoke machines. But um, that's not the historic standard of what the Bible has been understood to teach. Uh Let's let's look at everything. Let's get everything out on the table and recognize the word of God in the scriptures alone is our infallible standard. And what do you come up with?
0: Right. And Jason, the last on this and then we'll wrap things up. Yeah. Revelation. We get a glimpse into the end. Yes. Where's this temple? Where's this restored temple? Do you want to talk speak to that? Oh. And by that, I don't mean the heavenly temple,. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, earthly temple with ordinances and priesthoods and no, it's, it's high it's, priest to apparently replace the one great high priest of Hebrews, which is Jesus. right?
1: You don't have that there. I mean, I, there. I, I think that um, I think through chapter nineteen is John's version of the Olivet discourse. And so I think that that has been fulfilled in the destruction of that great city that is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified, Jerusalem. Um, the, the, the thousand years, I think we're there. I think that Satan has been bound. Uh, does that mean that sin has ceased? Does that mean he ceased? No. The, per, the specific qualification is that he may deceive the nations no more. What have we seen? The gospel has gone out to the whole world. And can we get uh, pessimistic when we look at rainbow flags flying from Baptist churches? Lutheran churches. And Presbyterians. We're not exempt. PCUSA, yeah. But even the Baptist, you know, people commented on the debate I did with the pastor of First Baptist of Salt Lake. He's a very different denomination. He's very liberal American Baptist, the old Northern Baptist. He thinks that homosexuality is a gift from God that should be celebrated. People... um, YouTube changed their algorithm, and we got a. We went from three thousand views to over a hundred thousand views in forty-five days. Then they quickly changed the algorithm again, and it hasn't been going up nearly so much. But I was getting flooded with these things. It's like, is the Presbyterian defending the Bible? The Presbyterian who's you know against homosexuality. Yeah. It's like, yep. Um. But it's easy to get discouraged. When we look with our eyes, God tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. One of the comforts I find is you look at church history, it's always been messy. But the gospel keeps going forth, And the church, uh, is, it, is there a whole bunch of nominalism? Is there a, b- a whole bunch of unbelief? Is there a bunch of counterfeits? Of course, there always have been. But we've come a very long way from an upper room. We've gone from 120 disciples in that upper room to a third of the world giving lip service to the worship of Christ. Islam is a Christian heresy. It's a counterfeit, just like Mormonism. Um, Ignorant uh, young man uh, told by God he's restoring his one true church in the earth
0: this. Sounds uh, familiar.
1: Yeah, I think we've heard this story a few dozen times before at least. So anyway, but no, my challenge to everyone, go back to the Word, go back to your knees, go back to fellowship with God's people.
0: Yeah, and our hope is this city without a temple.
1: Oh yeah, I mean... It's it's very
0: clear, and that's what our hope is.
1: Our hope is that the is Mormon, in Christ. Our hope is that they will tear it down with their own hands. Yeah, the, the LDS tumbles, That is yes, yeah. Um, do I see? you know, there are a lot of people think that the Mormon Church is going to change and that they're, you know, this and that and the other. I don't see any way they can. There's, there's no avenue for that. But um, I, I was kind of watching to see if Denver Snuffer was going to get more of a following. And I've been surprised. He, you know, he just—I think he's taken what would have been the impetus for other people who are more charismatic and more driven that direction. He, He's—he sort of um, been a relief valve for some of that, and he's not really gotten much of a following, from what I can tell. But no, I mean the hope is that they will tear it down. Um, we need to be clear in these days that we're not making any plots against it or anything no, like that. No, but, no, but, but no, they're monuments to a denial of the, of the gospel.
0: Right. Denial the Bible. Jason, you've been here in May 25 years. There's a lot of people that don't understand how hard it is to be here. Um, any last words of encouragement to the Christians that are here? Advice to Christians who are thinking about coming here? Um, and to anyone else listening. If you think that you
1: have the magic bullet that nobody else has had before, you're wrong. There is no panacea. A lot of people have come here, they've tried their gimmick, and they burned out and gone away. Um, We don't need more of that. What we do need are people who recognize that it is... A difficult place. But God has his people here and God wins. Yeah. And there will be a multitude redeemed that no man can number. Once well, again, out of Revelation. But I've tried to, I've seen a lot of goofiness, a lot of, um, unbelief there were people here who were faithful before me I long there will be many more faithful after me Um, my encouragement to the believers here is um, God will redeem God will redeem his people revival can come I may not live to see it but do what god tells you to do preach the word pray and be faithful and have confidence not one would not one of that multitude of the elect will be lost we battle not against mormonism we battle against principalities and powers but we have we have spiritual weapons that are that are mighty to the throwing down of every stronghold. The gates of hell won't prevail against Christ's church. We don't have to take the cheap way out. We don't have to cut corners. We don't have to throw everything against the wall. What we have to do is we have to expose the lies and we have to preach the truth. And we have to try to manifest a biblical church a watching world. We have to be known by our love for one another. This is why, um, James White and I, though we have our differences, we can stand shoulder to shoulder. He's a brother. He, he, he's preached in our pulpit more times than I can count. Um, he tells me I'm goofy on baptism. I tell him he's goofy on baptism, <laughs> but, but we love, we love one another as brothers. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, stand fast on the things that matter, and um, be charitable in the others. Don't throw. Um, the devil comes at us from every direction. Schism is not the answer to heresy. There is biblical separation, but this this idea that. Um, you know, I'm I'm the, the lone ranger standing against error. If there's not a visible church where you can live in community with other believers and submit to the elders of that church, there's a problem with you. And um, define your faith not by what you're against, but by what you're for. I'm against Mormonism because it's a counterfeit but it's because I'm for the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, be patient, be faithful, and know that God will fulfill everything
0: he's promised. Yeah, well said. And I I think um, we're called to be faithful. I'm channeling a lot of your sermons here. We're called to be faithful. We can't change hearts. No, but right, God but, can. But God can. So we're called to be faithful, and we'll leave the results to God. Well, Jason, thank you so much for your time. And uh, maybe we can do this again sometime. be my pleasure. <laughs> thank you for listening to Distinctive Christianity, and we'll see you next time.